Welcome to the Authority of Love. My name is Greg Williams, and thanks for joining me again on the Broadcaster Podcast, however you've chosen to watch or wherever you're listening. Last week, I shared some personal stories, some included in our book, The Authority of Love, second edition. It's available on Amazon. Be sure to spell out second, S-E-C-O-N-D, instead of using two N-D, so that you'll be able to find it very easily on Amazon. Amazon, I'm sorry. And of course, we closed the week with our first Family Foundation Friday with David Wells, Executive Director of Family, the Family Foundation. I hope and pray you were encouraged and or challenged and as always blessed either way. Now you can listen anytime on WJMM.com. Uh, check out the Authority of Love schedule at 11 a.m. We're on WJMM 99.1 FM in Central Kentucky Christian Radio. Or you can go to the podcast tab in the upper right at WJMM.com, click on that, and then on the Love and Lordship links, and you'll get today's and the previous two days' messages. Also, you can see many other The Authority of Love videos and podcasts. You can go to Vimeo.com forward slash Love and Lordship or podcast at loveandlordship.podbean, P-O-D as in dog, B as in boy, podbean dot com being in as in nancy okay p-o-d-b-e-a-n.com let us know what you think check uh, love and lordship uh, dot com or contact me email me at love and lordship at gmail.com uh, you can be a guest we have many guests that come on the show and so we'd love to to invite and interview uh, some new ones all the time so let us know now i want to spend uh, a couple of weeks here uh reinforcing and reiterating, maybe in a little different way, but the same foundational truths, some of the things that we've been talking about before, again, that you'll find in our book that we've talked about uh, before, but we have some new guests. We have some new listeners that have been coming on. Thank you for letting me know that. I appreciate that encouragement. But as we do that, it's good to go back and pick up some of these foundational issues and truths. And so we're going to start probably where most people would. We're going to talk about real love and real authority, truth in love. The Bible says in Ephesians, we are to speak the truth in love. That's the way we individually and collectively grow in Christ. You can read that in Ephesians, uh, I believe it's chapter 4, start about verse 11, uh, and you'll find that. So uh, let me begin with this. A couple of years back, I was broaching this subject of love and authority. Not, not I wasn't doing the Authority of Love broadcast yet. We were doing it in other places. I was doing it on Facebook and doing some live speaking and things like that that I still continue to do. But I broached this subject and a follower or a listener was on Facebook, I believe, her name was Krista Cave. She responded by pointing out how subtly the culture has invaded and skewed our way of thinking about and living out loving relationships as well as how we perceive and handle authority. And I, I would have to agree 100%. We have to be alert because while we're called to be in the culture, we are called specifically and prayed for by Jesus in John 17 not to be like it. We're to be different and so much so that others will see his kind of love and desire it or Hate and reject it, as, as, as he says many will do in John 17, 13 through 20. That was not his intent, the latter there, and certainly should not be ours. But in a fallen world with sinful, selfish, fleshly, broken people, of which we all are a part of and have been a part of, 
It will be the response of many when his truth questions and comes against their own lordship and love as they want to define and live it out. So let's look again at Jesus and his word to find out what love really is, and then we'll follow up with authority here in a moment. And let me just say, it will be the toughest and yet most rewarding thing you'll ever do. Now back to Jesus, right? In the most trying and difficult moments of his life, his prayer in the garden, his betrayal of his closest friends, his trial and his crucifixion, let's see what love himself does. I've got five questions that I ask when I'm doing conferences or retreats so that we really drive home the point that love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's an intentional investment. It's giving up ourselves for others. Listen to these questions and let's see how Jesus responded. How do you think Jesus felt mentally and emotionally? In Luke twenty-two forty-four, we find that he was in so much anguish that he sweat drops of blood. He was mocked and humiliated mercilessly. How do you think he felt mentally and emotionally? Second question, how do you think he felt socially? The crowd in Matthew 27, 22 and 23, when they asked what should we do with him, by Pilate, crucify him. The high priest and the leaders of the temple and the synagogue had stirred them up and they cried, crucify him. This is the same guy the week before they had laid palm branches and their coats and cloaks in front of him as he rode in on a donkey. And they were praising him and glorifying his name and shouting, Hosanna, save us now. They were really demanding that he save them because that's what they thought the Messiah would do. And he does, but not the way they thought. Number three, how do you think he felt relationally? How would you feel if one of your closest friends betrayed you? It may have happened to you. It's happened to me before. One of them denied who you were, and all 12 of them abandoned him. Look at Mark 26, 56, and, or I'm sorry, Matthew 26, 56, and Mark 10, 50 to read about that. Fourth question, how do you think he felt physically? He was beaten punched beyond recognition, flogged, which is a very torturous type of whipping. And to this day, crucifixion is still regarded as one of the most torturous and painful deaths known to man. You can read all of that in Matthew 27, 11 through 37. And then finally, the fifth question, how do you think he felt spiritually? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46 and Mark 15, 34. I repeat a question from many of our The Authority of Love broadcasts. If love were a feeling based on or based on feelings, what would Jesus' response have been at any point along this horrific journey? What would have been his response to those questions? This is horrible. This isn't love, Father. You and I are the authors, God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. This is not what it's supposed to be, so I'm getting out of here, right? Here's Luke 23, 34 was his answer, though. What we see uh, is, is, is in the midst of all this, in the midst of that pain, in every way, love does this. Father, forgive them, for they know not what, we, what they do. So let me ask you another question. If love were a feeling and he would have rejected all that because it didn't feel good, where would we be? 
And then one final question as we move on. How can I, you, how can we love that way? Because that's what we're called to do. You might say, well, Jesus didn't have a choice, but he did. Matthew records one of his only responses in all of the pain and humiliation was to rebuke Peter for retaliating. How does he respond? Don't you know I could ask my father and he would send 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000 angels. And they would be at my disposal to do whatever I want. Matthew 26, 53. He had a choice. It was a powerful choice. He could have walked away. His obedience was his choice and his love. Remember, as with Jesus, we have a choice in every relationship and circumstance, and that choice is our obedience, doing what's right in line with his word. That's love. He desired in his flesh, in the pain, to be taken out of that excruciating situation, and he had an option by which he could have done it. He asked the Father to remove it. In Matthew 26, 39, we read that in Luke 22, 42. But because of love, first for his Father, modeling the greatest command. We talked about it. We're going to continue this week. And then for us. He chose to forego the 72,000 warrior angels to remove him from the agony, the humiliation, and the cross. You may have heard the psalm that says it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was his love. And remember, it was his love for his father, first and foremost, and then for us. He stayed the course. He stayed on the cross. The choice, the commitment is love. Not his feelings, but the commitment to his father and to us. It is based on one thing, his and therefore our willingness to simply and sacrificially give ourselves away for the sake of others, regardless of how we feel or how they respond. You see, think about this kind of love the next time you tell your spouse or children, family members, church family, others, that you love them. The next time you tell a friend or whenever you think about Christ's love for you and yours for him. So I ask again, how can I, how can we, how can you, Love in this way. Your, my choices reveal our love. Knowing his truth in love is the key to building loving lives and relationships. And don't we all want that? So how do I know if I'm learning, growing, and maturing in real love? By knowing the real truth from Christ and his word. And that's where we get to real authority. What is true authority and lordship? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I probably didn't pay enough attention in English class. Sorry, sorry Miss Lake, in high school. Root words are there for a reason. The root word in authority is author. Duh, right? Might not be what we've seen modeled in our home or work, school, or church or government. In other words, the world's idea and application of authority is very often not in line with what the author said and did. It's not about control. True authority honors both those who give us the position authors, so to speak, and those we attend to by serving them. Jesus' disciples, two in particular, remember the others got ticked off. That's just a, indignant was a fancy King James word for ticked off, right? Ask if they could sit on the thrones with Jesus when he entered into his kingdom. That's all they knew as authority. And that's literally what they were asking. Can we rule or wield control over others? Give us a sword and scepter. Isn't it much the same with us when we think of authority and then try and live it out? 
Jesus' answer is powerful, and we have to pay attention. He essentially said to them and to us, that's not authority, lordship or leadership. That's the way the world does it, sinners, Gentiles, unbelievers. But it's not authority at all. You may get some things done. You may have some people follow you, but it's not real authority. Real authority is humbly submitting to and serving others. Even Christ came to do just that for us, to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. All Matthew 20, 20 through 28. Go read that, that, that exchange with his disciples. He did it for all who believe in him as Savior and walk with him as Lord. So why does it matter? Because all relationships have authority either by design or default. And Jesus, the author, defines true authority. That definition and application doesn't change from our families to our workplace, our government, or our churches. It's the same everywhere because it's the truth from the author. You see, authority is actually invited influence. In the kingdom, that's what it is. And love and authority are never separated. Check out Matthew 20, 24 through 28, and John 13, 1 through 17 for more. We'll have more on this tomorrow, so stay tuned and invite others to join us. Action items, choose to spend time with God in His Word and prayer every day. Ask God the Spirit to show you and teach you how to practice His love and authority. I'm Greg Williams, and you're listening to The Authority of Love.